This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back into the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition. It's Stephen Diener back with you on this part two of my newest, latest discussion with Special Operations Command Analyst in U.S. Military Intelligence, Anthony Williams. Um, really fascinating part one that we had, speaking about a lot of unreported things, such as the mysterious giant black triangle UFOs, UAPs, flying over some very... Sensitive and secret U.S. military installations where they house nukes. Um, and that's not an old story. That's not something from the 60s with Robert Salas. That was from October of last year in 2023. Um, so we spoke about that. And, of course, the orbs following Air Force One and a lot of other things in that part one. And we're going to continue the discussion here in part two with some of the new whistleblower details. I'm going to touch on that in a second. But first... Before we get into the interview, I got to get on a couple things real, real quick. Number one, going back to that giant triangle story, the, the you know, the giant triangle UFO flying over, you know, the nuclear sites, uh, nuclear weapon sites, secret ins- military installations housing these things. When we spoke about that on part one, we recorded that, that part of the interview and that instance or that incident, I should say, went back to October of 2023, like I said. Now, what we didn't know, what Anthony didn't know, was that it happened again. He found this out after we did the interview, a couple of days after, and he called me and said, you are not going to believe this. And so I want to relate to you what he told me literally just about a day or two ago, um, after, again, after part one came out. So, but it happened again, where the same giant black triangles were seen flying over, again, the same installation, secret nuclear sites that no one knows about unless you're in the know in the U.S. military, in military intelligence, like Anthony Williams is, and, you know, special operators. And these, this giant craft, Black Triangle, again, seen flying over the same spot. Lightning struck twice. This time it was on February 7th. So just about two weeks ago, as I stand here now, talking to you about this about two weeks ago from this date it happened again same craft same sighting same spot that is unbelievable to me what we also didn't know again up until a couple of days ago just update you on the latest was anthony found out that on the first sighting back in october of 23 this giant triangle craft was pursued it was called in 
on radio airwaves with military members. They had two helicopters, each with four troops on there. So a total of eight troops flying on two helicopters toward this craft, pursuing it as it approached and went over this secret military installation housing U.S. nuclear weapons. As they got closer, it darted off. Where have we heard that before? So many instances and so many times we have heard details like this, where we have these things flying over U.S. military bases, you know, sensitive sites. And now not only did it happen once, but it happened twice at the same site with the same type of giant black triangle craft. The first time that was actually pursued by two military helicopters. And you don't hear about this anywhere. I haven't heard about it anywhere other than what Andy Williams is telling me. And again, obviously, he has the inside information. This story is incredible to me. It's startling to me. And it's fascinating all at the same time because this this thing was seen by numerous people, civilian and otherwise, and pursued by military members in military aircraft, helicopters to be precise. And you haven't heard a thing about it. It's just, it's incredible to me. So... If more details come out about this, it's a huge, huge deal we're talking about here. This is a massive thing, and it's not being talked about anywhere, nowhere in the news, nowhere online. Going to try to find out more information as uh, it comes out, because obviously it's a developing thing kind of in real time as, as this stuff happens. So I wanted to update you on that first, because that's a major story. And then outside of that, you're going to hear again today, so let me get into that. You're going to hear about this new whistleblower. So I tweeted out about this back in at the beginning of the year, actually, um, first week of January here in 2024, and I said that there was a new whistleblower coming out uh, sometime this year, and he has firsthand knowledge about the UAP discussion and reverse engineering and you know the existence of other life. And he was going to come out and talk about these things uh, soon, so, sometime this year. Now, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't able to give a lot of details, if any, other than that at that time. But in this interview, what you're going to hear pretty much right at the start where we we pick back up and I ask Anthony Williams, what can he tell us about that whistleblower? So you're going to hear that to start off. And then we're going to go into um, the second part of and the, the last part, how the show ends, which is Anthony's asking me questions. And I hope you find that as interesting as he did. He felt like I got to get these questions out there because a lot of people are wondering where you stand on a bunch of different things and kind of my background and, you know, behind the scenes type stuff that he was kind of getting into there. It was almost like a 2020 interview. So uh, some pretty fun stuff in there too, that I think you might enjoy as well, hearing kind of behind the scenes of, of my life that Anthony was asking about. So all of that and more here in this interview, part two, myself, Anthony Williams. Here we go. Here's the part with the whistleblower as we begin. I got to ask you about this whistleblower. So again, I spoke about that at the beginning of the show. I kind of made waves, which I tend to do not on purpose. It just happens for whatever reason. I make some waves sometimes on social media where I said, yeah, this whistleblower is going to come out. And all of a sudden it was this avalanche of support and of haters at the same time, which is usually how it goes in social media. And I said, no, like this is, this is going to happen. This guy is high level. This guy is legit. He spoke to David Grush. He gave David Grush firsthand testimony. And some time has gone by on this. You and I have been speaking about this behind the scenes. And I think we both agreed that it's time to it's so it's okay timing wise 
to at least talk about some of this now. Um, what can you tell us about this whistleblower? When are we going to find out more about him and what he knows? And I guess, where is he now? Yeah. So let's start with your last question. Where is he now? I don't know where he is now. And, mm. and when I say I don't know where he is, I mean, he's unlocatable. He did what we call going dark. Uh, he is off everything. Uh, this guy was part of our community, uh, a major contributor for a long time in the intelligence community for several decades. And like many of us in that group, we have our own personal experience that drove our interest to want to collaborate and, and help the greater community solve some of these you know questions that we all have. And uh, this individual, as we were cataloging, you know, uh, personal stories came out with with his own personal story. And it is it is spectacular. It, it is. Um, I will say that that this incident, um, the way this came out is uh, it was spotted online, a director board, uh, the kind that you snap, you know, when you say action, when mm. you're filming a movie, a director board, an image was caught online uh, during a major uh, one of our one, one of the the more well-known uh, documentary documentary producers um, on the topic is coming out with a new documentary and this individual's name was on there. So he is, he has already been filmed telling his story hmm. and that documentary is supposed to come out later this summer. Um, it got brought up in the group. There was a lot of support initially. And then there was some real concern about whether or not this individual is going through the correct whistleblower protections. Um, you know, part of me wants to wait uh, for the world to hear his story in his own voice. But I, I, I will say a few things. Um, his incident was known. It followed a mass sighting uh, in the 90s. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll time frame it that way. There was a mass sighting in the U.S. in the 90s. His work with the military put him in the in the area of the mass sighting just just uh, a week and a half after the incident. They were briefed on the incident and uh, warned to go from point A to point B. Don't stop. Don't engage with anyone. Uh, just drive through this area and get, get to where you need to be for, for your work. Uh, his account has firsthand interaction with a non-human being. Hmm. And the reason why that story is important is because the other witnesses that were with him, one has completely disappeared. Another one was removed from duty uh, in less than a year. And this individual was allowed to carry on his work in the intelligence community continue on to higher levels of classification to the point where he retired and then began doing this type of work in the civilian field for the government. So his story is extremely credible. It is the first time we have someone willing to say, not only have I seen firsthand, I interacted with and communicated with, and here's my story. Um, wow. I feel like I should probably leave it there um, just because I don't know where where he is. So within days after this, uh, you know, one of the things he put out is, hey, if anyone wants to discuss or meet up, you know, talk about 
any of these topics that we're discussing, you know, here's where I work, you know, let's meet up. And, you know, most of us work within, you know, a half dozen different locations. So I went back to reach out to him and, and he's gone. He's no longer in the group. He's not only no longer in the group, but he is not locatable on any government network, classified or unclassified. And I can't even find anything on him in just regular, regular internet searches, Google searches. There's nothing. So um, when I asked the uh, the the group admins, there there are five that that run this collaborative site, uh, this classified site. Uh, they also would not talk about it. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so I think I think he is still going through whatever process he needs to go through to make this official. And, uh, you know, I would just tell all the listeners, you, you know, I'm assuming that that your listeners are in every different phase where we've all been in, where this is interesting, all the way up to I'm going to do my own homework and I'm going to do my own research. And there there tends to be a, 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 a knee-jerk reaction for lack of patience, lack of believability, you know, I need to see it with my own eyes. I need to touch it. I need to, you know, I, I want, I want all the information right now. I would just say anything with this topic, exercise as much patience as you can. Uh, these things are going to come out. There is a process you're dealing with people's lives, their livelihoods, um, you know, their ability to take care of their family. In some cases, if they lose their clearance, lose their jobs, have their retirement shut off, all those are real possibilities that these type of people face. So, you know, when these whistleblower protections are tried to put in and then they're voted out, that that makes it a challenge. Um, so I, I think that's probably a safe place where we can leave that right now. Uh, that's maybe a little bit more than I was going to say, but um, I'm, I'm going to throw it back to you on that one, buddy. Yeah, no, I got you. And, it, and I appreciate that because it's, um, it's, it's going to be a game changer when all that comes out. And I, I appreciate you going as far as you can with that. Um, because I know it's a, it's a very sensitive conversation and it's, there's details in there that have not been made public yet. There's obviously a lot of things that go into it when it comes to, like you said, protections for this person. Um, obviously we're not seeing any names for obvious reasons. Um, but hopefully it's somebody that as long as they are kept in the documentary and they're not erased from that as well, the one that's coming out here, you know, like you said, later this summer, uh, that we're going to hear his story. Yeah. And, if, if that happens, if, if we can't find him, he's gone and his story's not in the documentary, I'll go full throttle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if nothing else for the, you know for the protection of this guy, you know, um, you've heard other people, you know, going all the way back to Bob Lazar going public for, for fear of their own safety, you know, and, and, and this individual expressed that to the group as well. So, um, you know, my belief is right now that he's gone dark, not, not out of anything nefarious, but just want to keep a low profile while he goes through the process. Um, that that's what everything's pointing to, but, um, yeah, his story is going to come out one way or the other. I just, I hope you hear it from him and you don't have to hear it from me. So, well, if we do, we can do it right here on UAP. Um, but hopefully, like, like you said, hopefully it is from him uh, for a lot of reasons. But just to wrap that up, this is real. This guy is real. His his story is real to the best of your knowledge. This is a, a 
person with very high credibility and a lot of clearances and a tenured career within the military. Like this isn't something that's is, is BS, right? No, there, there were two, there was his vehicle and a trail vehicle that all witnessed this incident. So, um, no, this is, uh, this is a hundred percent, uh, as, as real firsthand account I've ever heard. And, uh, it, it, it will, if you don't get goosebumps when you hear it from his mouth, uh, you know, I don't know what would make your skin crawl more. Firsthand contact and communication with, uh, an extraterrestrial. That is, I hope, I hope we hear that very soon and I hope he stays protected as well. And when the time is right, he can come out. Um, man. <laughs> yeah. Some amazing things coming. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think this is going to be amazing. I'm a little nervous. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it here because I, you, you, you gave us a lot of time here, Anthony here on UAP. Thank you so much again for joining unidentified alien podcast, weekly edition for another discussion. I think this is the third time you're on the show. Um, and you know, the time that you give to talk about all this and, and to give your perspective on what, you know, the information you come across, these are things that we talked about here today. A lot of it, the vast majority of it has never been made public until this episode today. A lot of these sightings and especially what we just spoke about right now with those details. So I will return the favor and now hand it over to you, hand over the host baton to you. This is something that you came to me with and you said, Hey, Steve, I would love to do an interview with you. I have a lot of questions that I would like to ask you. And what do you think? And I said, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. So I'm excited. It, all kidding aside, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what you have for me. So let's let's go for it on the back half of this uh, of this episode. What do you got for me, Anthony? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And for a lot of the listeners, I think probably, first of all, I'm the, I'm the fortunate one. I think probably a lot of people that listen to this and have followed this podcast probably have a lot of the same questions that, that I did. And for, for everyone else that doesn't know, you know, this is, this is part of what I do for a living as an analyst is, is dig into things um, very similar to folks in our media that do the same thing. So, um, you know, Steve, you and I, uh, over the last couple of years, have developed, you know, uh, you know, um, a, a professional, uh, we'll say professional relationship. But, you know, it's kind of delved into somewhat of a friendship. And I realized, you know, like with a lot of friends that you meet that start as work friends, I have a lot of questions. And I think a lot of the listeners probably have the same questions. So I'm excited that you handed over the microphone to me. <laughs> and, uh, 
And, you know, basically, if anyone starts at episode one, all you know about Stephen is that he grew up in South Florida, that he works for a radio station. He's been very interested in UFOs and UAP for a long time and has this mythical book of stories that he has collected over the years. Um, Full stop. And then he starts his podcast. Very (laughs) frustrating to the rest of us that have to listen to this. We have questions. So we're going to I'm going to jump into it. I am I am going to attempt to do you justice, my friend. So, you know, let's go through. I want to go through your background, your, you know, your 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 school life, work, and then we're going to get into the bulk of this this UAP topic. But, um, you know, let's start with background home life. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. So, all right. A little bit about me. Um like it's one of those icebreakers where like you stand up in your class and you say like who you are where you're from yep yep <laughs> and that's yeah i guess that's always been the thing i'll let, you know when it comes to the podcast and why i never really talked about myself until right now is i guess i just i don't find myself very important i'm a very self-deprecating person um a lot of self-deprecating humor is what you'll find with me you know if, if you know me personally so my thing has always been, I'm just coming on here to talk to you guys and give you the information that I have. So I'm glad we can do this today, though. I didn't I didn't know anybody was interested in, in what You're I had. Already, you, know? you are already dodging my questions, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ahead and answer. Um, I guess the basics. So actually born and raised in South Florida, which surprises a lot of people because there's not a lot of us native Floridians. A lot of people come here from different states. You know, New York and California and places like that, um, especially New York. My parents actually came here from New York back in the 70s and uh, they never went back. So born in uh, Boca Raton, Florida, was raised there. It's like Southern Palm Beach County. For anybody who's not familiar, it's like right there almost on the county line with Broward County. But yeah, born and raised down here my whole life. Uh, You know, went to school down here, high school, a little bit of college. Didn't stick around for, for too much college. I was just. I had other interests that I wanted to get into. So that's, uh, you know, few siblings. I'm one of four. And where, where are you in that? Where are you in that group of four? Now I'm number three. So I was always picked on as, as, uh, you know, kind of like in the middle. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was the buffer for my little sister and fodder for my big brother and big sister. Nice. Now your parents, let's get back to them. What, what did they do for a living? What are their professions? Uh, they met up in, uh, the Brooklyn area. Back in, you know, I guess late 60s. And so again, like they came down here in the 70s to South Florida, started working. Uh, my dad was always in more of like the sales realm of things, kind of went, went into business for himself doing the um it's 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 a it's a weird profession actually, but he's something he still does to this day. He works from home for the past 30 years, actually. Wow. Uh as a as a meat broker. Wow. So he was kind of like the middleman going in between the big companies and, uh, you know, the the distributors and helping to broker, you know, sales and deals. Yeah. Uh, So he's he's done that for a long time and, you know, was thankfully able to provide for us as we grew up. And my mom was 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 the last of a, I guess, a dying breed in our society. She was a housewife. Yeah. Um, she stayed home with us and we drove her crazy growing up. Um, she, you know, my, we were always causing trouble, uh, but God bless her. She was always able to, to handle us somehow. I only, I, I only have two kids and I always think back on that because my mom had passed away 18 years ago now almost. Um, 
And I think back on that sometimes and I, I kind of look up and I laugh and I say, mom, how did you deal with us? I have two. <laughs> I think, I think she laughs at me sometimes. I can almost hear her laughing. Like this is what you get. Now, you know, so that's uh, I guess I guess a little background there. Yeah. So great, great home life in South Florida with your folks, mom, mom, you know, I, I read something a few years ago. It said the, the equivalent salary of what a, of what a housewife and mother, the salary would be a median salary of 93,000 a year is what that job works. So, you know, no, you know, all the credit to the moms out there and any, any, any moms at home listening, what do you think about your parents was the biggest, you know, something that really Im- impacted you that, that sticks with you to this day or drives you or helps shape you to the, to the man you are today, the husband, the father, the, the, the person. Um, I think honesty was a big thing. I always saw there was, you know, my, my parents were always honest with each other. My mom sense of always trying to be truthful, always trying to be honest and trustworthy to people around you, because if you're not, then how, how are you going to be able to really, you know, honestly be successful in, in, in life, in relationships, um, honesty and, 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 you know, being trustworthy is, are such two huge characteristics that I think I got from them that I try to pass on to my kids now too, because it's, uh, it's, it's very important. It's, those are two very important characteristics to have, I think. A hundred percent. And, and, and it's, it's sad when, when characteristics like that are the rarity today. And, and that's, that, that's such a solid takeaway to get, you know, from, from any mentor in life, but especially from your parents. Um, we're going to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, you growing up, you're in school. What, what, what kind of things was Steven Diener into? Were you the athlete? Were you the, the bookworm? What, what, what got you going? A little bit of both, actually. I, it's funny because I was kind of like a chameleon in school. I fit in with everybody. I was kind of like that kid that, you know, I was friends with the jocks. I was friends with the nerds. I was friends with like all the different cliques. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I, I guess the main interest was has really still love sports. I mean, sports. And that's the funny thing about it. I started my radio career, so to speak, for sports. I came into radio to be a sports media guy. I wanted to talk about South Florida sports. Um, you know, I'm a big South Florida sports fan with the Dolphins and the Heat and the Miami Hurricanes, everything, you know, all the teams like that. And my thing was, my passion was like, I got to get into sports radio, host a sports talk show, and talk about all these athletes and these teams. And, you know, it's what I love. And, be a sports broadcaster. I wanted to be Al Michaels. I wanted to be Joe Buck, you know, and, and all these guys that, you know, Bob Costas and all these guys that you see announcing games do play by play of games. I love that. That's stuff that I still have a passion for to this day. Um, So that was always kind of my thing. I remember my senior year, they asked us, you know, that where do you see yourself in 10 years type thing? Yeah. I I remember I wrote on my paper, I was that it was going to be announcing the uh, Super Bowl. And obviously that didn't happen, but that was always kind of my, my driving force was I wanted to get into to sports radio and, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, led me down the path of where I am today. Oddly okay. enough. We're going to, we're going to back up just a little bit and unpack a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> so that's been your motivation for a long time is, is the sports got you into broadcasting. You mentioned that you went to college just for a little bit. Um, how did you meet your wife? Wow. That is a story. So maybe this has to do with aliens. I don't know. Maybe this was. <laughs> I think all of us hopes it does. Maybe aliens played a part because this is really kind of a wild story. 
Um, I didn't meet my wife in school. Uh, it was actually after that because coming out of college, I kind of got into, you know, different jobs. I was, I was actually coaching high school football for a little bit. Um, got into like some different sales, like insurance and things like that. I even went into, uh, into be a firefighter. I went, you know, I aced all my EMT preparation and went through classes and did hospital time. Like I have a crazy background, <laughs> you know, things that you wouldn't think of that I was actually into, but I didn't meet my wife through any of that. I actually met her, believe it or not, on MySpace. Wow. Okay. For anyone listening <laughs> that is under the age of 35. I was going to say 35. Yeah. MySpace was Facebook before Facebook, and you need uh, you needed to program your own space and copy and paste algorithms. Now, when you want to put your name on Instagram or Facebook, you just go to the spot that says name and you type. That's right. Existed. So, um, wow, you just you just brought back some social media history there, my friend. Boy, I'll tell you, and it's. And I said, maybe aliens were involved because it was just one day. And she says, I lie about it. She's like, oh, no, you definitely friend requested me. But I never friend requested her. It was just one day I signed on to my MySpace and it said that I had a friend request approved. And I was like, well, I didn't send anything out to anybody, but OK. And I clicked on it and then I saw her and I'm like, well, she's kind of hot. I don't know who she is, but like, she's really attractive. So I was like, I'll just send her a message and see what happens. And we started talking and well, here we are today, uh, 16 years later. Wow. Okay. So, a cosmic so, connection. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the, uh, that was way before any other dating sites you, you made your own. That's, that's amazing. Now your wife, what, what, what does she do? Uh, she's actually in the medical field. So she does x-ray and kind of not, not a nurse, but like a, um, what do you call it? like a radiological technician and, uh, medical assistant she she's into that area so god bless her because she did that all through covid too and oh. that, that wasn't easy yeah no kidding well I, we're going to transition to the part that i think a lot of people are interested in hearing about let's do it first and foremost what it just like every superhero that's ever existed what is your origin story when <laughs> you first get the ufo uap bug what 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 created this for you it's funny because I, I did not want anything to do with this discussion, with aliens, with UFOs. I was terrified of this growing up. Um, my dad would put on X-Files, and as soon as I heard that, the, you know, the old X-Files theme, we all know it. As soon as I heard that come on, I would run out of the room. I'm like, no, get it away. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, but for whatever reason, I would say around, I don't know, maybe after I graduated high school in that area, it just became an interest for me. It, there was like this spark that I was like, you know, I wonder what this is. And I started to kind of dive in more into um, the Philadelphia experiment. Actually, two of the things that got me into this world were the Philadelphia experiment, which I covered in a two part series on UAP, which those were two yep. of my favorite episodes I've ever done because it was personal to me. And uh, Edgar Casey, this the life and story of Edgar Casey. Those two things are really early on, probably around 18, 19 years old, kind of got me into all this. And then it just kind of was a deep dive from there, from, you know, the ancient alien aspect. You know, how did we build the pyramids? The, the question that everybody asks. And it just kind of snowballed from there, um, starting to learn about all these different things and all that, you know, like you said, the mythical handbook 
that I have with with all my stories. And uh, that's that's kind of where it came from. Yeah, we're, we're getting to that one next. So, you know, it's, you know, you and Karen back in the early episodes talked about your mythical book of UFO stories. Is it an actual book? Do you have like a journal, like a book, or is it a digital file? How did you start cataloging these things? Uh, it's all on my phone, actually. Uh, so I guess in the cloud, it's it's all all on my notes app. And oh. as I as I would watch a show, which is why it's always su such a th thrill for me personally to speak to someone like Nick Pope or Robert Salas when I've had them on the show, because those are guys that I watched that taught me so much about this subject. And the, a lot of notes I took, actually, one of the first notes I took on my mythical handbook, as we say, um, was the name Nick Pope. I wrote down Nick Pope, former British Ministry of Defense, uh, ancient aliens, because that's when I really started to get into this stuff. And so it's 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 all my phone. It's just stuff that when I was watching shows or documentaries, I would go in and uh, write different notes. I'm like, oh, this that's interesting. Oh, there's this name. There's that date. Um, so that's that's kind of how that's evolved. And I can tell you. There's a lot on there. I haven't even scratched the surface on that. Those that, that's like five years worth of notes on, on my phone. That that is the best news for all of us that are a fan of the show. Uh, because everyone's wondering when do the stories run out? That's great news. That's great news. <laughs> so, okay, so it's an actual you are keeping track of these things. What led you to start the podcast? What motivated you to do that other than just personal interest? What what was the nudge that got you to to take that leap? Uh, actually it was, you mentioned Karen earlier. We were, we, we were coworkers. We were here in the same building. She moved on to another location a couple of years ago or about a year and a half ago. Um, but she came to me one day and she said, you know, why don't you do a podcast about this stuff? Cause it was just, we would talk about it in casual conversation and I'm like, I don't know. And then I started telling her about, you know, the handbook <laughs> as, as we call it. And she's like, are you serious? You have all this stuff written down. I'm like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, I don't know why I do. I just felt like it was so compelling to me that I would write all this stuff down. And I thought, maybe I'll write a book one day. I don't know. I'm just going to keep writing things down. And that's when she said to me, she's like, you should make, make it into a podcast. You have all these notes. You have all this knowledge. Start talking about these things. Maybe people will like it. And I was like, all right, maybe someone's going to listen. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, now, well, I guess now here we are. What are, you know, as you started the podcast, you got Karen nudging you in the background. You've, you've done a lot of homework on your, on your own, you know, leading up to this. What, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you had, you know, getting this thing going or that you've had to overcome since it started? Time, man, time is consistently my worst enemy. It's, it's so incredibly time consuming to put together an episode. Um, quite frankly, that's why there's only 77 UAP episodes. I, I could probably have double that by now. By now, I say seventy-seven, not counting what we've done. You know, the episodes you and I have done on UAP Weekly or any other interviews or things like that. Um, those are all separate. There's only seventy-seven UAP episodes, original UAP, because it just takes me so much time to put those together. The the writing, the producing. Um, the organization of thoughts, the rough drafts, the, it's just, it's extremely time consuming. And anybody who has a family and a full-time job knows <laughs> time is a commodity and it's, it's hard to find. So that is consistently uh, my, my biggest challenge. And I, I hope to have more of those UAP episodes out soon, because like I said, there's a lot of ideas I want to cover. So, so let's unpack that a minute. So 
UAP Weekly versus a full episode, how much time do you think you spend preparing for a UAP Weekly versus a full episode? I mean, to give an idea, I won't use you as an example because you and I have conversations on and off as it is just, you know, kind of exchanging notes and things like that. But I'll go back to an interview I did before this with uh, Paulina Martinez. She was somebody that I came across. She has a major presence on TikTok. Um, that consisted of a 30 minute conversation on the phone and some direct messages. And then we did the interview. So okay. that was just, you know, that's this. I hate to say it like this because it sounds like it's not work, but this is easy for me having a conversation. I'm going to write down some notes about sure. some things that we've spoken about and we'll expound on those and make it really interesting and intriguing conversation, make things that people have never heard before, which we've been fortunate enough to do. And I've been fortunate enough to do on the show. That's easy to me. The hard part is the UAP, the original UAP, because that will take me anywhere between all said and done six to eight hours of, wow. of prep, of producing, of recording, of post-production and getting those out. That's about a six to eight hour process that is normally sp split up between multiple days. Okay. So with that, with that, knowing the time that it takes and all these episodes, I mean, this has been, this has been a major, you know, part of your life, uh, outside your regular broadcasting work, family, all that. What does your wife think about this? What, what is, how, how did she react when you said, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast about UFOs and UAP. She thought it was cool. She was like, yeah, you know, you're, you're interested in it. You know, a lot about it. That's what his people always told me too. Like, Oh yeah, you know so much about it. Well, you might as well talk about it. And to me, it was always just kind of normal. I didn't think of myself as like, you know, this aficionado, this, this expert, it was just something that I'm interested in. And it was funny to get that outside perspective from people like my wife to say, yeah, you know, you, you know, all about this, you have all these notes, you might as well, you know, make a show about it. So she was all for it from the beginning. And, you know, I, I give her a lot of credit because a lot of the time that I spend on the original UAP writing that is at home. And that means, you know, I'm not spending time with her. I'm not spending time with my kids. They're usually doing something else while I'm writing or, or producing. Um, so I give her a lot of credit because without her help and support on it, we wouldn't have UAP, quite, quite frankly. Do either you have either you or her had your own personal experience, seen anything, witnessed anything? You know, that's the funny thing about me. I really haven't. You know, I've spoken to so many people. You've had personal experience. You and your wife have a personal experience of sighting. Um, I really haven't had anything out of the extreme ordinary. I've seen some weird things in the sky that I'm like, what the heck is that? Um, but other than that, you know, it wasn't like something life changing, you know, that I was like, okay, that's, I, I have to film this right now. I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know, no abduction experiences, no weird dreams. It's just, for whatever reason, I, I've always seen myself. I think I'm more of an, an observer of the subject. Maybe that's what I was chosen for was to be an observer and not necessarily an experiencer. I don't know. You're interested in the UFOs. We got to get the UFOs interested in you. I want to hear your abduction story one day. This will be good. <laughs> <laughs> um, happens, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know, you talked about some of the stories that got you started. What's, what's been your favorite uh, episode that you've done so far? Oh man, it's really hard. Um, I, there's a lot of them, honestly. Uh, one of the ones that just I put out last week, uh, UAP Greatest Hits, was The Miracle of the Sun. Uh, that's one of my favorites because that I got to mix faith and 
um, supernatural, extraterrestrial, all into one ball. And I found that to be really challenging to have that discussion of was this something faith based in a miracle from God, you know, through the through the Virgin Mary that these people in Fatima saw the sun dancing in the sky. And this you talk about a mass sighting. That was a mass sighting. They saw the sun dancing in the sky. They were soaking wet and then they were all dry. After yeah. the sun danced in the sky, it looked like it was crashing down on them. People were in mass hysteria. Like that was a true mass sighting a little over a hundred years ago. So, you know, almost modern times. Um, so I love discussing that because it is a true mystery. Like I said, almost modern times. And then uh, the one that I just came out, I, I love the Dulce based story. I love Rendlesham Forest, all those stories. But the one that I just did uh, a few months back, it was called The Tears of Jimmy Carter. It was oh, episode yeah. 74. I think that's the episode I'm most proud of because of the work I put into that. It took a lot of time to put that together, and it took a lot of introspective thought of how am I going to approach this conversation? And I think I'm most proud of that one because of how it came out. I think that I was, I was really happy with how that, that episode came out. Well, I, I think I think it's very, you know, it's very apparent to me and I think it's very apparent to a lot of the listeners or viewers, the the amount of the amount of background work and care that you put into the episode and your heart really comes through in, in, in your in your in your episode. So that's, you know, if you ever wondered that that definitely makes it out and makes it makes it to all of us. And I, you know, I think for me, at least personally, that's been part of my draw to your podcast and to these stories uh, along that line, you know, when you started the podcast, it, it was getting, you know, you just said it was getting these things out there, getting these stories out there. You know, what is your personal goal for the, the podcast? Is there something that you hope, hope it accomplishes? Is there, is there something, you know, an ultimate goal that you have? Yeah, I think it's two pronged. And that's, it's, it's, it's a good question. I appreciate it because, um, the, the first goal is really just to see the, the continued growth of audience, because I think it's such an important discussion to have right now. And I think it's an important discussion for people to, to be willing to have. I think this is a discussion that a lot of people aren't willing to have. They don't want to entertain the thought of outside, you know, life outside of this planet or interdimensional life or whatever it might be, or maybe both, because it's too much of them to comprehend. We're all busy. We're all focused on our daily lives at home. We all have bills and mortgages and rent to pay and the groceries to afford and things like that. So we're, we're all preoccupied with the everyday things. And I think a lot of people, or if, whether it's faith-based, a lot of people don't want to challenge their faith even. And they feel like if they're having this discussion or they're entertaining these thoughts, that it's somehow going to muddy the waters of their faith or it's going to distract them from you know well aliens aren't paying my bills so i'm not going to worry about it well i think this is yeah you know it's it's a, a discussion that i think if i can make people more willing to have to entertain it at least yep that that's definitely a goal of mine and again just the continued growth i i love to see this just from a personal professional standpoint i would love to see this become a thing that you know, is kind of a household name one day. I think that would be great, you know? Yeah, well, you're doing your part. That That's, you know, now that's on us to spreading the word. So uh, if you're listening, tell a friend about this, you know? And uh, yeah, 
Anyway, I've got I've got one question for you that I've been wanting to ask you since the very first episode I ever listened to. And you may not want to answer this because it puts <laughs> you on the spot, but I, I don't care. You're on the Anthony Williams show, not, not the Stephen Diener show right now. So so I get to ask this and you have to answer. One of the one of the tenants of your show, one of your mottos has always been, I'll let you decide. Mm-hmm. You put the stories out there. You just want to state what has been stated. You just want to tell the story in its entirety and then let the listener decide. Okay. What do you believe? Ah. What, what do you have a gut feeling that drives you with this? What do you think's happening that we're seeing with the phenomenon, all these sightings, all these stories? So, no, it's funny you say that, that I wouldn't want to answer because it is something that I try to avoid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not, not letting you get away with this one. <laughs> yeah, it's not all, it's, no, it's okay. But, you know, not, not, not to show bias, I guess, is, is my thing. It's always I want to show the interest. And like you said, I'm, I'm glad that comes across because that's always been my goal is to be interested with you, to have the conversation with you has always been my, my goal with, with the show sure. as well. Um, but what I believe personally, there's something going on. And there is, and I don't think it's all human. I'll give you an example, actually. I saw this, excuse me real quick, because I have to break into my phone to actually um, see this. It was something I took a, a screenshot of. You mean the Magic Book of Secrets? <laughs> this was, that's right. On the Magic Book of Secrets, I can go into there. And as an example, this was something I actually saw on social media on uh, the Twitter handle Latest in Space. So I'll give them credit on, on this. Astronomers have discovered this. This news just came out last night. Astronomers have discovered the brightest object in the universe. According to their their studies, it's 500 trillion times brighter than the sun. It's powered by a black hole that eats a sun a day. And the light from this this, this object took 12 billion years to reach Earth. So if you take that into account, if you take something like that into account, even if you say some of that is is complete you know malarkey whatever you want to say just to think about something like that and it, it allows you to start start to fathom the vastness the unimaginable vastness of the universe so with those things in mind i just can't see that we're the only ones here when you hear about something like that and couple that with the sightings from People like yourself, reputable people, people within the military, people within government, people that have had personal experiences throughout their lives, not just once throughout their lives and and have these regression therapy sessions where they unlock these memories like this. There's too much. Over. Millennia. That that's that's. I can't ignore. Yeah. personally i yep. can't see all that and look at all that and hear all these stories and see all these testimonials and say to myself yeah but nothing's going on no something's happening and whether it's from life outside of our planet whether it's from life inside of our planet interdimensional beings maybe all three there is other life is what i believe and for whatever reason we aren't at the point yet where we're, we are able to for whatever reason that is, whether it's a cover up or from a consciousness standpoint to make that contact and have that definitive answer that we are not alone because I don't believe we are. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, like you and I have talked about in the past, you know, quantity has a quality all of its own. And to have that much information, there's definitely something going on there. Um, so, you know, I'm going to I'm going to throw it back to you, but I just want to thank you for everything you're doing. You know, thank you for the stories. Thank you for being bold enough to step out of your comfort zone and, and put this on there. And I know a lot of other listeners uh, will agree with me that, you know, we appreciate what you do every week, you know, and everything that's happening in the backgrounds. And I think most of us can relate. Either we have families or we're part of a family or and have all the other obligations of life going on. Um, I will just say uh, here on the Anthony Williams show before it <laughs> to, uh, the Stephen Diener UAP podcast again, uh, you heard it here. If you want to connect with Stephen, just go to MySpace. And uh, I'm assuming that account is still active. No? Okay. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> for, anyone, for anyone under the age of 35, please don't break your electronic device when you realize how frustrating MySpace is. And uh, my friend, it is always good talking to you. It is great to be on these uh, these episodes with you. And I, I, I enjoy being a listener um, just like so many other people. So I'm going to hand it back to you, buddy. Well, I really appreciate that, Anthony. And thank you. Uh, for for all those words, for the compliments, and thank you for the questions. That was fun. I hopefully uh, everyone enjoyed it as well. Um, and I, I think I think it did. I enjoyed it. I know you enjoyed it. So I think that was something that was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad we did that. It was it was I think cool to uh, kind of get that perspective out there. So thank you for that for taking the time to come up with those. And you know I always enjoy having you on here because you offer perspective that is extremely unique, and you give us stories and insight that. Uh, Quite frankly, we're not getting anywhere else. So thank you for being being willing to to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I I love being a part of this. You know, even just as a listener, I love being love being part of it. And I know that uh, so many of your listeners feel the same way. And hopefully, some of my questions that I had that I wanted to get to the meat of of the life of Stephen Diener. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, some other people have those same questions too. And uh, thanks for being willing to be transparent with us, brother. And uh, you always are. But you know, to your point. I think it's uncomfortable for a lot of us to talk about ourselves. And uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing with us, brother. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening here on this UAP weekly. Um, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's been really educational. So we'll leave it at that. Anthony Williams, thanks again so much for everything and for all the time you spent here today. It's uh, it's, it's been a blast and really appreciate it. And I know we'll talk again soon and things continue to, to develop. Absolutely. And there we have it. Really fun stuff. Hopefully you enjoyed all of that. I know um, it was different, obviously. So hopefully you still enjoyed, you know, some different content there, a different feel, kind of a behind the scenes look at myself, uh, you know, my background. I would never do that voluntarily, but Anthony said, hey, you know what? I think this will be a lot of fun. I think people will enjoy it. He wanted to get those questions out there. So I said, sure, I'm all for it. Let's do it. So hopefully you enjoyed that as, as much as we did. And obviously with... The whistleblower information, that's game-changing stuff. Um, if and when it comes out or when the whistleblower comes out, when he comes out of hiding, when the story comes out sometime this year, hopefully this all goes public sooner rather than later. I don't have a timetable on this. There's there been no timetable really presented to me. I've only just speculated that sometime around summer, but I could be off on that. I don't really know, but hopefully it is sometime sooner rather than later when this whistleblower comes out and can fully tell his story because there's details there that Anthony could not give that, uh, again, if if this gets out 
and it can be you know backtracked and proven somehow is true, we're talking about real game-changing stuff here. Um, the conversation will absolutely take a turn <laughs> when it comes to disclosure once, if and when this this whole thing does come out. But that's that's the most that we could offer, that Anthony could offer. But that's uh, really big stuff that has not been released anywhere else. So thank you again to Anthony for being um, comfortable enough to do that without releasing any of the real you know, pertinent stuff like names and dates and some of the other fine details. Oh, we'll take a break after that two-parter and come back and regroup and come back with more soon right here on UAP. Of course, you can follow along on the show anywhere on social media at UAP Podcast 850. Mostly Twitter is where I'm most active, but anywhere, TikTok, YouTube, all those, all that good stuff is where you can find me at UAP Podcast 850. And on email, sdienerUAP, it's S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com. You can reach out to me there. I always love reading emails from you guys. I don't always get to respond as quickly as I would like to. I will fully admit that, and that is my own fault, and that's something I'm working on. It's just a timing thing, but I do get back to everybody as quickly as I can. So if you have something to say to me, your own story that you want to relate, or just a comment, by all means, sdeaneruap at gmail.com if you prefer email. But other than that... That'll do it for today and for this edition, this latest two-part series of UAP. It's Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Much more to come in the future. A lot of good stuff coming up here in the very near future and this year. I can't wait for it all. Who knows what it all holds, but I know we'll be here talking about it. Until then, be well, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.